Hello everyone and welcome to the first episode of the Arte Anglais podcast. The podcast where we talk about art, culture and society to help you learn English naturally. Hello and welcome to the first episode of the Arte Anglais podcast. My name is Tara and I am a teacher and an art teacher from Down Under in Australia. But at the moment, I'm living in the south of France in Montpellier and I'm currently painting and teaching English in France. I feel so lucky to be doing two things I love together. I'm a super passionate teacher interested in many things, including art, architecture, gardens and teaching And I want to share some of these passions with you. I'll tell you why I'm interested in these things a little bit later. But for now, this podcast is especially for my intermediate and advanced English students and other people all over the world who are learning English. This will be a listening resource that you will be able to listen to for pleasure. And I must say that I'm quite excited to be making this podcast as it's something I've really wanted to do for a while. And now I have a shiny new blue microphone in front of me and all the stars are aligned and I'm feeling ready and motivated. In English, we use the expression, the stars are aligned, when we mean to say that the conditions are right for something to happen. And often, This might be something that was unexpected, but it's a good thing. And so anyway, today we are going to talk about a few different things. Firstly, why I decided to make this podcast and what it's all about. How can we use art to learn English and the different types of learning styles and what it means to be a visual learner. But firstly, Let's talk about why I made this podcast. Well, that's a good question. I was inspired to make this podcast because of my own language learning experience. So I've been living in France since the end of 2018. So therefore, I'm trying my hardest to learn French. Now, before I arrived in France, I knew very little French, but little by little, Day by day, I'm starting to learn more and more. Every day, I listen to a podcast called Inner French. I'll put a link to it in the links of the transcript, just in case you're learning French too. Now, this podcast is an excellent resource for intermediate French learners, just like myself, as the language is simple to follow and Hugo, the host of the podcast, speaks clearly and slowly. And this podcast has really helped me. And the most important thing that Hugo has taught me is how important it is to try and listen to or watch something in French every day. And I really agree with him. And thanks to his inspiration, I've started to notice a huge difference in my comprehension. And this is why I wanted to make a version of a podcast in English to help my intermediate English students. So each episode will be available as an audio file, as well as a transcript with links that you'll be able to find on my website, 
artianglay.com. I encourage you to listen to each podcast as many times as possible. And if you need, read along with the transcript. But sometimes try and listen to it without it. I'll try my hardest to make sure my Australian accent doesn't confuse you too much and to pronounce the words properly. But be careful because I will also take this opportunity to teach you some cool slang when it comes up. And although this is not a conversation, I'll try to talk as naturally as possible, but a little bit more slowly than I would normally talk if I was talking to some native speakers in English, for example. Because I really, truly believe that by listening to the language, you start to build up your vocabulary and it gives you the opportunity to understand faster spoken English. So, before I talk too much, let's get started with the podcast. So the first question you might want to ask me is, what does it mean to be arty? Well, to me, this is quite an interesting word because being arty means being someone who is very interested in everything connected with art and artists. If you like art, just like me, we can describe you as being arty. When I was in school, my friends used to describe me as being arty because I always liked to draw on my school books. But sometimes in English, we can describe someone as being arty-farty. And it's a weird word, I know, because it doesn't literally mean that. It means that we are describing them as someone who is interested in art, but not always in a positive way. For example, we might say to someone, you just like this weird piece of art because you're arty-farty. However, at Arte Anglais, I assure you, we use the word arty in a positive way to describe someone who is really interested in and loves art. So, what is the Arte Anglais podcast about? Well, my podcast is not just about learning English grammar. It's a podcast about the subject of visual art, about all things art and culture related. There are so many other resources out there to help you with grammar and where I can, I'll give you some great links to some YouTube videos and podcasts. However, I really believe that the power to language learning is listening to something every day. So Hugo from Inner French talks about this a lot. And I believe learning for pleasure, and if you're like me, I struggled to find things to listen to that I was really interested in when I started learning French. Language learning is absolutely a marathon. It's not a sprint. So it's really important that you stay motivated. And I believe you stay motivated when you're listening to the topics that you like. So some of the topics that I want to talk to you about are the subjects that interest me the most. For example, my favorite arts, artists and art styles, my own experience as an artist and a creative person, exhibitions I've been to, art inspiration, books, magazines, lots of things. And there are so many different things you can talk about with the subject of art. 
I also want to talk to you about how you can talk about your opinion in art, even if you're not an artist. And I want to discuss things like what it means to be an artist and why I believe everyone can be creative and how you can start being creative to learn English. Of course, I'll also talk about some interesting art and and learning theories, but nothing too complicated. I also really like architecture and gardens, so I'll try to include these in some of the podcasts also. So we recently learnt that the iconic building, the Notre Dame in Paris, was on fire, and this absolutely broke my heart for many different reasons. So probably in a future episode, I'll definitely revisit the iconic building to talk about the importance of architecture and sculptural and visual parts of the building. Anyway, I hope that you'll enjoy the podcast and find it useful for your English learning. I have a lot of ideas that I learnt while studying to be a teacher and that I've seen while teaching kids, teenagers and adults. And I want to share these ideas with you. I'd also love to hear from you about your ideas. What subjects do you want me to talk about? What subjects interest you the most when you're learning English? And firstly, I just want to explain a little bit about who I am and what I've done and why I'm doing this. Hello, my name is Tara. And actually, I'm a landscape architect, an artist, and a teacher from Australia. And I'm now living in the south of France in Montpellier. So a landscape architect, for those of you who don't know, is someone who designs landscapes. And that can include parks, gardens, playgrounds, or anything in the outdoors, really. And sometimes I also even design indoor gardens. So I guess you could say that I'm someone who is very arty. I really like arty things. And so this is why I teach English classes to children with a focus on art and creative making. But I also teach teenagers and adults, and it's not always necessarily about talking about art. We, I tailor my programs in such a way that it's interesting for the students. So I know what you're thinking. How can we use visual art to learn English? Well, there's so many ways. And in my English classes for children, we focus on learning new vocabulary through being creative. And this isn't always easy, I can assure you, but I try to focus on the children having fun. It's always about the children having fun. Because when it's fun, they seem to retain more of the information. Uh, my students, they keep a visual diary and it's like a sketchbook or a little book to draw in. And each week we work on an original piece of art. For example, one week we might learn new vocabulary in English for different parts of the face. And then we create something that helps us to use this vocabulary. So we are making portraits and learning the steps to draw a face. We also learn different verbs like write and draw and cut and can I please have this and do you have this? And we build on this vocabulary slowly each week. So once the children finish their artwork, I try to get them to speak about what they have created by using the vocabulary. 
So at the moment in my classes, I'm planning some activities using different colored shapes and we will be learning the names of the different colors and shapes to create pixel art. And it seems to be very popular at the moment. I then like to show the children real life examples of this type of art. For one small example, there is a street artist that I love called Invader who makes street artworks using square tiles. Now his artwork can be seen all over the world. And by showing the kids real life examples, it really helps to explain how what we are learning is relevant and real and relevant for everyday life. So in future episodes, I'll talk a little bit about some of these artists that inspire me. And by the way, if you're an art teacher, please don't hesitate to get in touch because I'd love to share some of my ideas with you and here's some of yours too, because it's not always easy to combine teaching art with English. And maybe we can even talk about some of these ideas on the podcast. I also just realized that I use my first English idiom, I think. An English idiom is when the words don't describe exactly what they mean. And it's like an expression. So the expression or the idiom to get in touch, it really just means to communicate with somebody, to make contact with somebody or by sending them an email or making a phone call to them. So to get in touch with me, you can send me an email to info at and I'll put a link in the show notes. So now let's talk a little bit about why I believe using art to learn English can be helpful for your learning, because I think it's really important that you understand why I'm so passionate about this subject. I recently read an article and I read a lot because I'm very, very interested in methods of learning and improving ways of learning. Anyway, I read this article on the British Council for Teaching English and it summarizes all the reasons why I believe that using art as a subject for learning a language is so useful. And sometimes I think it's underutilized, which, which means it's not really used enough. So I'll talk about some of the ways you can use art to help you learn in future episodes as well. And I have some ideas for my next podcast episode, which I'll talk to you about later. So I'm going to discuss some of those reasons and explain how even my intermediate students can use art or visual images to help them with learning English. So the first point is that I'm really passionate about and I use a lot is that art gives us something to respond to. You don't necessarily have to like a piece of art in order to respond to it. For example, we can use a picture of an artwork or even a photograph to react to it. And we can describe what we see, how it makes us feel, and if or not we like it. And one thing I do with my students is I show them a picture and I ask them to tell me, what is the absolute first thing that comes into your mind when you see this picture? And this is another English idiom. What's the first thing that comes to your mind? And it means, what's the first thought that comes to your brain? Anyway, I also use images to get my students to start describing 
how they would move through a place, for example. So if I use a painting or a picture of an old, dark, scary house, then we can start talking about how to use adjectives like gloomy and spooky. And then we can start talking about verbs and adverbs that help to describe how we move through the space, like I ran briskly or I looked cautiously inside. I know I'm using grammar terms, but what I'm trying to say is that with me, I try to teach the grammar in a way that is practical, that comes about when we're talking about these images. So secondly, responding to a piece of art by giving an opinion helps us to start talking about what we think about the art because art is so subjective. And because it's subjective, it means that no idea is right or wrong. And then it gives us the chance to discuss what we believe without being wrong. An opinion can be a few words or adjectives or a long description, but even with my students who struggle with speaking in full sentences, being able to use one or two words is a good starting point to help them feel successful. And the third reason why we can use visual art to teach English is examples of art can be found everywhere. So visual art can be so many different things. It can be a comic, a drawing, a piece of street art, a video game, sculpture, photography, graphic novels, political comics, so many different things. And different styles might appeal to different people. So it's much easier to find examples that might appeal to their to different people and, and what they like, for example. And the fourth reason for using art to teach English is it gives us a way to communicate non-verbally and verbally together in a very personal way. Just to give you one example, when I work with my younger students and they're not really sure what they want to tell me, I always have vocabulary cards in front of them and they always use the vocabulary cards and they point to certain things and they use the visual images to explain what they want to do. I also have another student who loves watching makeup tutorials on YouTube and so she made her own example of a makeup tutorial by drawing diagrams. Then what she did was she explained each of the steps to me and this was so motivating to her because it was personal and she was able to use the visual images to describe the actions in the diagrams. And she found that it was a really excellent way for her to use the language as the images helped her to find the words. And this student also finds it much easier sometimes to explain things to me when she draws her ideas. So, for example, even when she recalls her holidays, I encourage her to draw diagrams and pictures to explain to me what happened. And this leads me to my fifth reason. When I use language to direct my students to do something, for example, can you draw a blue square? It helps me to know what they have understood immediately. It gives me immediate feedback and I can assess their understanding. And I can immediately change the way that I speak to them or try to help them understand. I'm then able to correct them or tell them if it's right. 
And when we are engaged in creating, it teaches us to have hope. So we learn that being creative can have no limits. So it can help to build our self-confidence. And I see this all the time with my children, with the students that I teach. Their confidence skyrockets. When you help them to draw something, and at the same time, they're learning how to speak a language, it's unbelievable how much their self-confidence grows. So lastly, I think using art as a subject, it doesn't always have to be about making artwork. This is just only one aspect of using art to learn English. So if we use a picture to describe something, it might not be considered a work of art, but the process of drawing is, well, I think it's a way to help us visualize. And the important thing that I always try to encourage is the student is an active learner. So what is active learning? So active learning is a way to learn where students are doing things to be part of the learning. For example, reading, writing, drawing, and discussing or talking about ideas to solve a problem. And the opposite to active learning would be passive learning. For example, if you just listen to a teacher talk about something or you listen to a podcast, that is passive learning. So the main characteristics or parts of active learning explain that learning should be relevant, which means it has to have some meaning to your life. So with all the students I teach, I try as much as possible to make the learning relevant. For example, I have a student who loves insects and nature. So I try to adapt lessons for her to maintain her interest. And obviously, if you have a smaller class of children or you're only teaching one-to-one, -one, it's much easier to do that. But where possible, when I have groups of students, I make sure the learning is relevant to things like the group age, the geographical location and cultural context. And the other thing that active learning should be is it should be reflective, which means you should have the chance to describe what you have learned or solve a problem. And the third thing is it should be engaging, which means you should enjoy completing the task and that you're motivated to complete the task. So even with my teenage and adult students, we don't necessarily make art, but we often use visual imagery as a visual cue or an image to start talking. And I've also thought that in the future, I will give simple sketching and painting lessons in English, as I feel this is a really practical and fun way to learn the language and also a new skill at the same time. So personally, I'm a very visual learner. So concepts and ideas make much more sense to me when I see pictures or I can draw to communicate my thoughts. And I guess this is why I've worked as both a landscape architect and an art teacher in my life. So being a visual learner is one of the three different types of learning styles that were studied by Neil Fleming, visual, auditory, or tactile. Now, this learning theory has been disputed. However, I'm going to use it to talk about it because 
I believe it's, it's still relevant in that being a different type of learner and understanding the ways that you prefer and the things that you prefer will help you to know how to learn better. So in the transcript notes, I've put a little picture to show you that I'm a visual learner and to show you what the different types of learning styles mean and what they look like. So visual learners like images and pictures to help them learn. Auditory learning means you are better with listening and tactile learning means you learn better when you are touching and making things. And for me, there are different aspects of all these learning styles that, that work. And I really tried hard to understand which aspects of learning styles make it much easier for me to learn. And so for me, the biggest and most active part of my style is visual. So I really enjoy learning things when I can see a diagram or a graphic. So now for the first part of your active learning, I have a small task for you. You can find out what your learning style is by searching on the internet for one of the many surveys. So even without the results of the survey, you might already have a good idea of what your style is. So I'll put a link to a simple questionnaire in the notes so you can find out what type of learner you might be. And if you go and find out what type of learner you are, this is an example of you being an active learner. So what type of learner are you? What might this mean for how you can improve the way you learn English? As I'm a visual learner, I'm going to talk to you a bit about what it might mean to be a visual learner. What are some of the characteristics of someone who might prefer visual images when they're learning? And again, I'm going to stress this is a type of research that has been heavily disputed, but for me, I still feel it's important because I've really noticed a lot of the ways that I learn are more complementary to visual learning styles. So what does it mean to be a visual learner? And if you're like me, some of the following things might help you to learn. So you use images or diagrams to understand ideas. You need things to be shown to you rather than described. Often when people try to spell something out to me or explain something to me, I don't understand it unless it's written. You need things to be organized and clear. For example, you need headings, dot points or bullet points in your writing to organize your ideas. You see words and sentences in your head after seeing them written. For example, you really benefit from a transcript to help you start to understand something. And this is something for me that really, really helps. When I can see a word written, when I'm trying to recall it in my brain, I can see the word that I've written somewhere before. Also, you're somebody that needs to take your own notes or rewrite and draw things in your own way. You might notice visual similarities and differences more easily. And you might also have a photographic memory. So in all these podcasts, I'll try as much as possible to use images and diagrams to explain some of the things that I mean. As this usually helps me to understand and to communicate what I mean. So very often people 
might be both visual and tactile, and also they might have traits of auditory as well. But this means that you learn best when making things and drawing things. And many of my art students can have characteristics of both or all of the learning styles. So characteristics is just another word for traits or another word for the things that make you who you are. And so what does all of this mean for me as a teacher and you as a listener and also me as a learner too? Because, because I'm aware of my own learning styles and some of these interesting theories of learning, it has helped me to plan the way I teach so that it's suitable for the way my students learn. And as a teacher, I believe it's most important to know yourself and the students you are teaching. So if you're excited and motivated to teach your subject area, then you're more likely to get the message across in an enthusiastic way. So I hope all of this sounds like something that interests you as a learner of English and maybe someone who is also a visual learner like me or somebody who is creative like me. Or perhaps you're not a visual learner, but you're interested in the subject of art. I'd love for you to tell me more about your learning styles and what helps you to learn better. So you can send me an email to info at and I'll put a link to it in the show notes of the podcast. Okay, so we made it to the end of the first podcast. I hope you found it useful, engaging, and you were active in your learning. And by active, I mean you were able to find out your learning styles. So next time, I'd love to talk to you about something that I've recently started doing and why I love it so much. And this type of art is called urban sketching. So maybe you already know about it. I want to talk to you about the many reasons I'd love it and how you could even do it yourself to get you to be an active learner, I guess. I'll provide you with some great links to native English speaking artists who make some really great how to do videos. And personally, being an urban sketcher in a place where I'm trying to learn a language has been a great way to help me speak to strangers. You'd be surprised how many people stop to talk to me in French. And although I find it hard to respond, it's still really nice to communicate with other people and to be in a really beautiful place. It's also just a great way to slow down and to really see a place. So I really look forward to sharing my ideas with you as I've really, really taken an interest in this type of art. Anyway, I'm really looking forward to the next episode and I hope you'll join me. So as we say in Australia, I'll catch you later.